This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Tell us a bit about how the show was conceived. Well, you know, it, we always, everybody asks us this question and, and um, we, uh, <laughs> it's like, there must be something in the archives, but I think uh, both Tina and I were um, both kind of on the same wavelength about thinking about young people, about uh, particularly dealing with relationships in a in a in an urb- in New York City and post nine eleven environment. Idea was to to really do a. A, a realistic look at, at uh, the lives of teenagers and their families, um, you know, struggling with identity and and with relationships in the modern uh, world. It's uh, what I really enjoy about the show. Actually, is that the fact that the main characters they're teenagers and you're showing their experiences that aren't kind of in this issues of the week or very special episode kind of way. Uh, how do you keep the show in that kind of reality? Uh, well, I, it, it's and I'm, and I'm, I'm, it's satisfying to hear that that you um, you get that because uh, we really never wanted to do anything that was like issue centered. You know, um, I think we focus on the characters and we focus on um, the fact that they're in process. And, you know, when you deal with that time of life, it is so inherently dramatic. It's so inherently filled with uh, conflict and, you know, self-discovery and self-doubt that, in a way, if you throw these people in a room together or um, in a situation together, you're going to get so much material that we, we we were definitely careful uh, not to ever um, pull things from the paper or, you know, have to rely on what was uh, current. Um, I think if, if you're doing something truthfully, okay, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to touch upon those things anyway. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people found the show accessible because it was basically, is basically about human relationships and, and of all ages, really. The show is very clearly set in New York and, and so much um, so that it's recognisable in the feel of the show, even to an international audience. What role does the city take in the show's flavour, if you will? Um, I love to think of New York as another character. I think it really is... Um, very much a part of the show. That does not, in fact, distance people because I think the more specific you are in your storytelling, uh, the more actually you can engage people. You, you don't want to be generic. And so we um, put these kids and, and, and uh, you know, their, um, what they go through in a city that really lends itself to, um, to storytelling. Um, and there's so many diverse um, types of people and so many diverse um, situations that we can call upon here. 
Um, and and we have a lot of um, you know international fans. So whether that whether that's because they're interested in New York or whether um, you know it, it's just so universal what we're talking about in some ways. I mean, you mentioned a lot um, the the after nine eleven effect, um, and obviously we see you know the wor- worldwide effects. But can you talk about um, how the show explores the after effects for New York and particularly the characters? Right. Um, first, initially, and by the way, this is this has changed over time. I mean, initially that was highlighted a bit more, and because Vivian, the main character, her father was a firefighter, and yeah. and first responders. Of course, that's, um, you know, that's, that's part of it. But um, uh, I think what, what the show reflects is that our world is larger. Like you just said, what happened here, what happens elsewhere that we don't, um, for example, in this country, in the United States, that we don't often feel is now, especially through social media, through the Internet, through um, the way news is um, is shared, uh, we, we put these um, characters in a larger world. It isn't just, you know, the halls of a high school. You know, it isn't just the corner, uh, you know, soda shop. It's wanted to show that, that you know, we, whatever happens in the world, we are affected by it and we affect in, in return, we affect um, other people. When uh, Anyone But Me actually started, it was probably one of the more famous examples of a web TV series. Um, what do you see as the advantage of the format as opposed to television? Um, I don't know that there's an advantage. I, you know, here's what I believe. I think every form of of art and media has its place and that there's room for all of it. And in fact, um, we sort of work off of one another too and sometimes use techniques or ways of communicating from other uh, genres. I think the the um, glorious thing about the web that is how many people you reach and in terms of if it has any advantage at all, it's the fact that we own our own uh, work and that there isn't, it's not stalled or held up by some committee that's deciding is this going to be, you know, we want more rewrites or this isn't going to um, fly with the sponsors or, you know, you have to go through a network, a studio, producers, you know, in traditional media and television. Mm-hmm. And we, um, you know, we've been free to be our own critics. You know, of course, we, you know, we want to put something out there that's worthy. But, you know, we, um, we get to listen to ourselves and do it ourselves. It's interesting to, to me. I, I read that you also wrote on the L Word at one point, and what I kind of find really interesting is when there's a lesbian show, and we're kind of seeing that now with um, lip service in the UK, where... Um, the lesbian community has all of their opinions about uh, what the characters uh, are and whether they're representative and they want a, a clear exam, you know, they want to see exactly like them. 
um, uh-huh. what has the response of the lesbian community been to anyone but me? Extraordinary, extraordinarily positive. I mean, what's fun to see, um, well, what's rewarding is the passion. You know, um, we, uh, we uh, cast young uh, unknowns and people got to embrace them as their own. Uh, I don't think we've had, of course, we don't read all of the comments. We do um, certainly try to write back to people and engage with people. I don't think we've had the same uh, flack that was to the L word got when I was uh, on the show and writing for it. That, like, for example, okay, there aren't enough butches or, you know, or that person, Sam, or, you know, this sort of, like you said, needing to be represented, I think how we represent people is in the more the human struggle of being young, um, identifying as gay or or questioning, those things seem to hit to hit home with people. Um, so we haven't really had um, much in the way of people saying, you're not representing us, but rather, in fact, you know, some people saying, I wish there was a show like this when I was young, or, you know, people writing us to say, you've given us the courage to come out, um, or I want a relationship just like those two have, you know, <laughs> which is really nice to hear, um, um, or or them getting, you know, angry at one like Vivian or Aster or Sophie and saying, you know, we had people align with teams when there was a, uh, you know, a time in the series that Aster and Vivian broke up, for example. Yeah. You're now three years into the show and you've recently um, ended the series. How did the show, how do you feel the show changed over the course of those Well, it definitely, it deepened and I think the characters grew, um, you know, partly because of of our wonderful cast as well. I mean, I think you could see the characters deepen and also, you know, Tina and I, we like taking risks um, as as the creators, the writers of the the show, you know, um, in terms of the style or the, you know, Playing with Time, which we did in season three, um, and also in season two, actually, the very first episode of that season where it was a kind of fantasy episode. And I think by the time you come to the series finale, the characters have really, they have grown from 16 to 17. You can see the, you know, their maturity. And the actors are so present in those roles. They got so invested in them and, and so um, connected to them. Given that you're so visible, you know, online, and did you ever find that it was that it was challenging to not sort of take on all of the stuff that was coming out to, uh, to you from other people, like from fans of the show, like, oh, we want this to happen? Or... Right. Well, challenging in some ways. I know the first season, what a lot of people wanted were, why aren't these episodes longer? And I think that's also because they didn't understand the web or took for granted that because they were seeing the show for free, somehow it just came to them that way. Like it was done. (laughs) They didn't realize that it cost money to make it and, you know, it would cost money to make 
uh, make it longer as well. It was hard sometimes to see negative comments, which is why you, know, you have to be you you you, you want to engage with people who take the show who are involved enough with the show that their criticisms aren't just, you know, let's say hate comments or, you know, I don't like that character, she's not pretty enough or he's too whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because of course those things, those things are difficult or well, I think what you just said, like uh, people saying, I want to see these two together or I think those two have more chemistry or we never, never wrote our episodes taking those comments uh, into consideration. We just tried to just enjoy the, you know, the conversations yeah. that were going. I mean, listen, there were people who didn't get the fantasy episode we did um, called The Real Thing, which was the season opener of season two. Um, it was clear to us and to most people, but there were people who, who just didn't didn't get it, and also people, uh, a, a very, very small minority, but still, who were disappointed with the series finale because it left some things un not tied up, you know, left it open, and, and, you know, it's hard to, to say to people, well, yeah, because this isn't the end of their lives, and we wanted to... You know, we, we didn't want to end things neatly. The show has now come to an end. What do you see as the lasting influence of the show? Wow. Well, I'm still talking to you. So, <laughs> um, I, I think we've gotten, I'm telling you, Jade, so such amazing response from all over the world and, and from within the web community, per se, you know, people who are making web series. Um, there's been, I think, uh, a, an opening, a widening door for series that have gay characters, for example, or deal in some way, whether it's comic, ironic, or, or dramatic with lesbian gay uh, characters, stories. Um, and I think, you know, just the fact that we, we took the chance to do it, that we we felt we had an audience, um, not just in the in you know in the niche audience of the, the gay lesbian community, but much larger than that. So, you know, it remains to be seen how much of a mark we will make. But I feel even at this point that if people do acknowledge um, our place. Um, in this, in this new world, and it's very, very gratifying and moving, I'll tell you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.